This episode of the Consulting Pipeline Podcast is brought to you by moi, Philip Morgan. I have a course on positioning, and it differs from my book on positioning in that it walks you through the process step by step. One of the features of this course is what I call lightning coaching sessions. Every Wednesday at, let's see, from 9 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. Pacific time, I have my calendar blocked off. Nobody can schedule um, anything during that time on my calendar unless they are a participant in the positioning course, in which case you have access to these 15-minute lightning coaching sessions. So if you're taking the course and you have a question about something, you run into a roadblock, you want a second opinion, you want a judgment call made on, on something that you have a question about, I am available to you for those lightning coaching sessions during that time. And so folks who are in the, in the course can use a Calendly link, that's a scheduling service that lets you book time, to select a, a time during that 90-minute time block every week to speak with me directly via video call. We use Zoom, which is this really nice um, video conferencing software. And if it's convenient for you to use a TCP IP video connection, you can do so. Or if it's not convenient, you can just dial in from a plain old telephone line. And again, what we use that time for is to break through any anything that's causing stagnation or lack of progress or uncertainty and create clarity and forward progress. So if that sounds interesting, head over to thepositioningcourse.com and check out the details there. Recently, I was slacking with Mr. B, and he said something that to me was not really any surprise, but I think will be interesting and it led into a question that he had that I wanted to um, expand on here. Of course, I, you know, he and I cover this already in Slack, um, but I wanted to bring it into the podcast because I think it's a very relevant question to the folks who are considering specializing. So Mr. B says, uh, and just by way of context, what he does is creates websites, web apps, and provides general marketing services around uh, general marketing services that clients who have paid him to create a website might also be interested in. Mr. B says, after seeing three website projects go to specialists without the client even really considering generalist web design firms, I'm beginning to believe in positioning. And then his question is this. He says, technically, there isn't much difference in what they're offering versus what I'm offering, right? Is that the same for custom software development? Is there really not anything special about someone specializing in airline software? It's just the marketing. And the short answer is, at first, yes, that's all it is. <laughs> at first, all you're doing is changing your marketing to speak specifically to a market vertical or someone suffering a problem that shows up in multiple market verticals or a combination of the two. There are other ways to specialize. You could specialize as you could be an expert in some software platform. I'm an expert uh, like uh, uh, Eric, uh, guy, someone I'm acquainted with who focuses 
uh, on um, NetSuite scripting. He teaches people how to how to, how to uh, learn how to use NetSuite scripting. So he's focused on a technology platform. And that's not really an outlier. That's just another variation of how you could specialize. But basically, yeah, you're specializing in a, vert- in a market vertical, a horizontal problem. And at first, if you're a complete generalist, the first thing that's going to change is you're going to decide to do it. The second thing that's going to change is you're going to start changing your marketing to start to start generating leads that relate to your your specialized positioning. But there's more differences as time goes on. Okay. Um, over time, the specialist has more relevant domain knowledge. And I'm not talking about their discipline itself. It's not like you necessarily become a better web designer in the abstract. And I'll just kind of stick with the example throughout this, uh, the example of a web designer. It's not that you become a better web designer in the abstract, but you become better at applying the discipline of web design to a specific type of client's needs. And that's really where a lot of the additional value that a specialist brings to the table comes from. It's not that they're dramatically smarter about web design itself. It is that the application of web design to the business needs of a particular type of client, they become more knowledgeable about how to apply it. They know what to avoid. They know where the opportunities lie to really move the needle on their client's behalf. They start to learn more about the application of their knowledge. Second difference the specialist will have a shorter and faster learning curve regarding the client's terminology, business model, customers, and so on. Again, this really has to do with the application of, speci- of your, uh, your sort of generalist knowledge in a specialized way. So um, I'll give you an example. One of the projects I had during my years as a generalist when what I was doing it was, I mean, it was a true sort of generalist thing that I was doing. I was doing a combination of uh, technical writing, business marketing writing. So technical writing would be the, the sort of classical example of that would be creating a manual for some piece of software. The um, business writing would be like writing a case study or a white paper. So I did a lot of that as well. And then the third thing that was kind of that I put inside my generalist wheelhouse that I wasn't a a true expert at, but I said I did it, was um, creating educational content specifically for uh, software companies. So like, well, we'll create some e-learning to help people learn how to use your software. So that's what I was doing as as a generalist. And I got hired to help a, it was a sort of uh, team of a consultant and software developer who were building some software for a group of uh, energy utility companies in the Pacific Northwest. All those energy utility companies were buying power, hydroelectric generation power, from the Bonneville Power Administration, BPA. So BPA was this sort of pseudo-government entity that manage manages still does manages the production of hydroelectric power from 
the Columbia River and other hydroelectric generation facilities in the Pacific Northwest. And so they don't all, all they do with the power that they generate is allow utilities to uh, to buy it using a very complex model for um, I don't know if it's 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 not exactly an auction, but again, they had a very complex model for allowing these utilities to buy power. And these utilities would buy power from BPA. They'd also generate some of their own, and they would buy power from other places, and they would trade power. And the whole thing is, uh, I mean, maybe it's obvious that it's a super complex business, but if it's not, trust me, it is a super complex business. So I came in with a no real relevant domain knowledge about how hydroelectric power is uh, I mean, I had a rough idea of how it's generated, but that's about it. I had no real specific uh, inside uh, knowledge about how it's um, how it's bought and sold and distributed and so forth. So for me, there was a tremendous learning curve. And it was exciting, to be honest, to be on this learning curve. There was a tremendous learning curve about this project. I had to learn new terminology, new concepts, new mind-bendingly difficult concepts about how if you crank up the generation at an upstream uh, hydroelectric generation facility, how that cascades down the river to downstream uh, facilities and how they have to have a sort of corresponding increase in their generation and how that may produce wasted power because there's not enough demand for it during the time at which it's generated. And, you know, this is just like 1% of 1% of everything there was to know about this topic. It was a tremendously complex topic. And I would have been far more effective in that work and generated far more value for the client if I did not have to sink time into learning about that domain. Like what I was learning was almost a hundred percent of what I was learning was about their business. And a specialist does, doesn't have to do that. Maybe they have to do a little bit of learning. Certainly they have to learn about the specifics of a particular client, but there's a lot of transferable knowledge that they've built up from working with other clients in the same vertical or around the same problem domain that they can immediately transfer to that new project. And so again, in my answer to Mr. B, I say that uh, the specialist will have a much shorter and much faster learning curve around these things, which they are important. And not having to learn them means that the specialist is able to get to the root of the problem and start producing value much faster. And without making dumb beginner mistakes. Again, these mistakes are not about their discipline, but they are about how their discipline, how their skill set, how their knowledge is applied to the client's problems. Over time, the specialist will have accumulated knowledge about the client's competition. This is a sort of insider knowledge that can create value for a new client. The last thing I mentioned to Mr. B is that clients are going to make some assumptions about a specialist. And those assumptions almost always favor the specialist over the generalist. 
So I said, we assume that someone who has the cojones to call themselves a specialist will have specialized experience and a decent track record of success. We assume that they will not be trying to cram a bunch of unrelated knowledge into their head, and instead they are accumulating carefully curated experiences that are similar enough that they can spot otherwise invisible patterns, and the application of this deeper insight will solve problems better, quicker, more permanently, or with less effort and stress. In other words, um, they can create more value. <laughs> they can, uh, they're just, you know, they can create certain outcomes much better than a generalist can. So, um, again, uh, you know, Mr. B asked, uh, he's like, he said, technically there's not much difference in what a specialist is offering versus what I'm offering. And at first, um, sure. But over time, when you specialize, your offerings change and in a lot of cases, they start to migrate away from doing implementation and towards doing strategy work, advisory work. So the other thing I want to emphasize again is that as a sort of full-on 100% generalist, if you move into some sort of specialization, at first, the first change is your marketing. But very quickly, as that marketing starts to work and attract leads that are within your area of specialization, you develop an advantage in the form of you see more and more situations that are similar to each other, and that allows you to see the deeper stuff that's going on, the deeper patterns, the, the deeper problems. And then based on that... Um, at visibility into those deeper problems, you can develop specialized expertise that is extra valuable. So, Mr. B, thanks for the question, and um, I hope that uh, that this helps. <laughs>